I didn't care More than words can say If I didn't care Would I feel this way If this isn't love Then why do I And what makes my head go round and round While my heart stands still If I didn't care Would it be the same? Would my every prayer begin and end With just your name? And would I be sure that this is love beyond compare? Would all this be true if I didn't care for you? If I didn't care. Honey child, more than words can say If I didn't care Would I feel this way? Darling, if this isn't love Then why do I thrill so much? And what is it that makes my head go Round and round While my heart just stands still so much If I didn't care Would it be the same? Would my every prayer begin and end With just your name? And would I be sure Um, okay, I'm sitting here with... Uh, <laughs> Okay. Take two. Take two. We uh, had some technical difficulties with the microphone and talked for half, had a great conversation for half an hour, and it didn't record. Nope. Never to be repeated. Never to be, we'll never discuss it again. Those gems, there were some gems in there that just got lost to time, man. It's, uh, I was actually really enjoying the conversation, too. Um, The two books I have in front of me, King, and your latest collection, Sand and Fury, a Scream Queen adventure. Yes, sir. Scream Queen, your uh, your recovery from King. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> my breath of my not my breath of fresh air. My uh, my glass of water to refresh me. Yeah. Uh, it's going off in another direction. Completely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, I guess I should talk about that. Let's uh, talk about it. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see. What is Scream Queen? It is uh, the story of a. Wow. Here's where my deficiencies. Uh, 
present themselves. I've always been terrible about like describing my comics, but uh, I guess it's uh, kind of a horror thriller about a banshee, if you will. Yeah, that's the log line. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what was kind of the the idea when starting it? Um, the just kind of because it originally came out as like a bigger kind of album size. Yeah, book. yeah, yeah. That was a mistake. That was a um, mistake. Yeah, big time. Um, well, let's see. I had the first idea. I used to love a band when I was a teenager <coughs> called uh, Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, and, I know uh, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous band. And um, um, yeah, they were a big influence on me. And uh, I, they were the first, well, not the first, but they were the first time, I guess, that um, like the idea of a banshee was first kind of introduced to me. Mm-hmm. And I was always fascinated by the idea of sound. Um, the idea that you know a sound can kill you or affect your mood or whatever, whatever it could do. And uh, I'm also like a big fan of like sound design in movies and stuff like that. So it was sound has always been something that's played in my head. And um, anyway, so I had this idea for when I was like 17 or 18 for a story about a woman who's like driving through the desert and you know she turns out she's like this supernatural being and blah blah blah. And I never did anything with it. Until uh, uh, until I was doing a comic book in the '90s called Pop Life, and I wanted to do um, it was like kind of an anthology uh, mm-hmm. comic book, and um, so I was writing the whole thing, and I was working with a guy named Milford Santiago who was illustrating it. He was illustrating the main story in the comic book, and I was going to do like short stories, kind of supplement it. And one of the things I wanted to do was screen queen. I remember this idea that I had when I was 17. I thought, okay, this would be kind of an interesting little supernatural thriller kind of deal. And the original idea was it was going to be like one page, which is ridiculous in retrospect. But at the time, I thought it was kind of cool. It was going to be like one page each issue of Pop Life, which we were projecting to be like 30 issues. So it was going to be like a 30-page story over like three years. Stupid, stupid, stupid. But, you know, I was experimenting. You don't, you don't know what's going to work yeah. when you're starting out. So anyway, we did this comic book. It lasted five issues. So I'd already written this stupid story. I'd already like drawn like twenty pages of it. <clears throat> I thought instead of um, instead of like letting all this work go to waste, I'm just gonna finish the story yeah. off. All right. So the, the the day after I finished the last page of King, I started drawing the remaining pages of Pop Life, and it was such a relief because it was just like hand drawn comics, hand lettered, whereas the the last volume of King had been you know, composited on the computer, a lot of the images created on the computer, mm-hmm. which I loved, uh, it was exciting, but it was just a nice kind of refresher from that. You had to do a lot of layering in King, it seems like. Yeah, a whole lot of that, a whole lot of that. It was, you know, drawing an image and then bringing it into the computer and then compositing a, a two-page spread in the computer and then, like, doing, like, you know, an, an embellishing of the images in the computer. It's the whole process. Fun, but, but sort of time-consuming. This was just a direct comic books. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I did this thing and and uh, the, the original idea actually was we were going to do a, a, a collection of Pop Life and we were going to put the, uh, the original Screen Queen story as just one of like 10 or 12 other stories that we were going to do. Lo and behold, me and uh, Wilford got into a big fight, <laughs> one of many, <laughs> and our, our, our uh, partnership just went into the shit can and I had already finished this comic book by then. So I thought instead of having all this work go to waste, I'm just going to put it out as its own entity. Yeah. Well, it was like 50 pages and, you know, two panels per page and not much story, really. And had it been part of, like, this larger thing, it would have been fine on its own as an individual story. Mm -hmm. But to put it out as its own book, everybody kept saying to me, it's not as good as King, it's not as ambitious, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of bothered me. 
So years go by, and uh, I had this other idea. I had some money. I was in a, in a situation where I, where I was able to like, just focus on doing this one project and nothing else. I've got, it had been years since I had done, like, written and drawn a comic book of my own. Um, like an original story of my own. Yeah. But uh, let me just let me just do this thing. I've got some time. Let me just do it. So, hence hence this thing that we've got now. Probably not going to sell more than five or six copies, but <laughs> hey, whatever. Uh, you another one. If you insist that you're going to be like that about it, <laughs> you can. Uh, I'll vicariously drink for you. <laughs> you got it, man. I got a that's, nice buzz going. So. That's, it, that's so, how so we. You. That's how we roll in the sense. Uh, <laughs> I love it. The, the, the name is there for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> Scream Queen or uh, Standard Fury? Um, it, it, it really does feel like it's kind of a violent release. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. It's like, uh, well. I'm sorry, you keep saying. That. Well, no. It's just uh, you know. It's working through issues I guess yeah yeah kind of it's uh, it's like every comic book even King to a certain extent there's a little bit of autobiography in there I'm hesitant yeah. to say which parts exactly but um but yeah, there's definitely some. But you know, it's like the way I see it, especially with comic books. Given that the market is so small, yeah. If you want to just like get kind of crazy and experimental, um, that's kind of the place to do it. You know, if it was a, if, if if this was something that was designed to be a much more commercial enterprise, it would definitely have not have been gotten to some of the places that it did. Mm-hmm. But after like you know, ten years of like being confined to this king box, which I struggled to get out of so desperately, and still haven't escaped. Um, it was just nice to just. Say fuck it. I'm just going to yeah. do something that works for me, and if it only works for me, then so be it. But someone be published it, so <laughs> someone published it. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but I managed to find get my my king publisher came through for me again. Sounds like uh, you have a good relationship with yeah, graphics. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good, better than I deserve. That's for sure. Thank you. Um, they're good folks. They're great folks. Yeah. I love those guys over there. They've been good to me. When few have. <laughs> oh, comics. It's a yeah. <laughs> it's a shattered world. It is, man. It's a tough life. I'm not gonna lie. It seems, in a way, it's like a return stylistically for yourself too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, where with King, it was very abstract objects creating a story in, in certain as parts. it went on. Yeah. yeah. More abstract with time. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. This is more. In a lot of ways, it's a com- more comic comic. For sure, definitely. When I started out, my style in King was very, uh, I don't know, it's been described as traditional. I don't know if that's exactly the word, but it was definitely, um, it was not, I don't know how to describe it, it was not what it became later on, where it became very abstract and very blocky and blah, blah, blah. It was pretty straightforward, which which is great. And, uh, and then it sort of went to weirder directions as I went on with King and with my illustration career and whatnot. But uh, with this book, it was definitely a return to what I was doing when I mm-hmm. first started with King. As a matter of fact, if I were to do King today, it would probably look a lot more like this comic book than what King later became. So, anyway.
You do a lot of illustration work. I was surprised. Uh, I got a letter from Dave Collier, oh, yeah. and it, the the stamp on it was one of your stamps. Yeah, I guess. And he, and he wrote in the letter, "You really need to interview this guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave Collier. That guy's fascinating, man. He is. I met that guy crazy. about uh, four years ago, and one of his opening stories was he was telling me about. I'd written something about Joe Sacco being a war artist. And he, he took some offense to this because he's like, Joe Sack was not a war artist. I'm a war artist. Because he had actually like gone to like to Iraq or Afghanistan or something and done illustrations there. And he told me this story about how on his first day or something like that in, in boot camp, how he like had some mishap where his kneecap had like flipped up. <laughs> I was like, dude, don't tell me this, man. Don't tell me this. I want to know. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And I wanted to do the same program he did. I wanted to go be a war artist myself. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle the whole kneecap thing, man. But anyway. Yeah. There's, uh, Dave's, uh, he's a man of, um, follow through. He's yeah. a man of, uh, sticking it to it. Stick to itiveness. Yeah. I think the I, it's, uh, he, he takes on a lot that I don't think a lot of folks could. I could see that. Like the whole uh, going up to that cabin, the Grey Owl cabin. I don't know that story. What's that one all about? It's a comic uh, where he uh, went in the middle of the winter up to a cabin in northern Saskatchewan? No, northern Manitoba. And he's like hiking in the snow and basically could have died. We're like doing the research for this comic and yeah. then he finds his cabin in the middle of nowhere and it's just like... It's just comics. Don't hey, die. I respect that, though, you know? I mean, like, if you're, like, willing to take your stuff to the absolute edge, man, that's, like, the best work. You yeah. know, you've got this story to tell about how you almost, like, croaked to, like, create these lines on paper. It's and it, it's, it's an amazing story. And the, the, the fascinating thing is he, he doesn't try, like, some folks, if they did that story, they would, like, blow themselves up. And say, yeah, yeah. yeah, I went, and I could barely live, and, you know, did all this stuff, and survived, and he's like... Yep, went and got my backpack. Snowshoeing and snowshoeing for 30 kilometers. The survivor man, this guy. He's like Les Stroud. Yeah, no, he, is, uh, he is amazing. Yeah, Dave's an impressive guy. No argument there. No. Um, no, I completely derailed myself when I was going. <laughs> it's just comics. It's just comics. You've been into comics for a long time. You grew up into comics. Yep. Hard Taken was one of your big early big influences. Yes, yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest, for sure. Was yeah. it American Flag that sucked you in? Or? No, it was The Shadow. The Shadow? American Flag came afterwards. I got into, uh, I saw the, sh- what was it? I saw, actually, no, that's not true. I, the first time I came across Taken was actually in 77 when he did Star Wars. And I hated his work. I thought, this guy sucks ass. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with this guy. Yeah. And then, uh, and then in the 80s, I started to see little bits of American Flag. And I thought, it's interesting. And then I was in a comic book store, and I, I saw it had already all four issues had already come out of the shadow. But I saw the covers kind of on, you know, like a, you know, they're very uh, iconic, very much so. And I was blown away. And uh, I picked the stuff up, and I haven't turned back since. You know, he's, he was the man. I wanted to be that guy for about <laughs> five years. So. He's uh, quite the. I'm sure. You, I mean, he did that comic journal interview yep. with him recently. He's quite the. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right appropriate word. <laughs> I see it. Man. Just say it. He's a ladies man. He's a ladies man. Well, not a ladies man. He's women are like, he's very charming and he's, they're quite, you know. I could see that. 
Yeah, well, not he's, that he's being sleazy. He's not sleazy at all. He's, he's one of those guys that he's so charming and so just quick people are attracted to. Yeah. Him. charismatic. Very That's exactly what he's very charismatic. He's very quick witted, and he's very. He can be an asshole. Like I've I've read interviews with him where he has been a fucking jerk to people. But when he when he likes you or when he wants to be like in a good mood, he can be extremely charming. And he's one of those guys that can be a jerk, but they're so good at being a jerk that they that they charm you just the same. Yeah, it's like he's being a malicious. He's been malicious. He's been malicious. <laughs> he's been malicious from time to time. Let's not kid ourselves. But that's part of his charm. Yeah, I, I loved. I heard about one publisher stuff are really like going and trying to talk to him at a convention just being like <laughs> yeah. really, just just like trying to say you know, I like work so much well one of my favorite Jacob stories is he got like a, I, I'm probably wrong about the award I think he got like a yellow kid award in like in Italy yeah this you know prestigious comic book award and his response his, his acceptance speech was something like I don't give a fuck if anybody here likes me or not kind of thing and I was like <laughs> Go check it, man. <laughs> I wish I had the hoods, but to say something like that to people. Oh, I love that. Well, the, the Italians are very unique with their comics. <laughs> yeah, they are. I've spent some time in Italy. I've, uh, I was reading something last night. Like, apparently, Monero's not very big in Italy, but he is in Oh, France. really? Yeah. I thought he was like the golden boy in Italy. For a long time, he wasn't. Hmm. That's strange. Okay. Yeah, fair I was really surprised reading that. But Monero's my golden boy. Yeah, I love <laughs> that, He's fantastic. I love that guy. My favorite uh, story of uh, comics in Italy is someone went there and uh, went and hung out with Hugo Pratt, and yeah. someone said, "Ask Hugo to show him a good time." So he goes and brings him to a brothel. <laughs> Makes sense to me. That's amazing. You know, you get the get a Puerto Maltese bringing you to a brothel. Hell yeah! <laughs> That's one to tell the grandkids. I think. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I love Hugo Pratt. Hugo Pratt's actually another favorite of mine. I've, I've ripped off a bit of Hugo Pratt over the years. Oh, yeah? yeah, he's a good one. That's okay. That's okay. I've ripped them all off, man, at one point or another. You know, and that to me shows the studiousness of a cartoonist. You know, how do you mean? You've studied the work. You understand the work. Like mm-hmm. you read comics for comics. You breathe it almost. Yeah, pretty much to my chagrin, many much of the time. But uh, but yeah, definitely they were a major obsession for sure. Did you go to art school? No, didn't go to art school. I regret that though. If, if I had anything to do over again, it would actually if I had to do over again, I would just have avoided comic books all the way. <laughs> <laughs> totally honest with you, but because uh, it hasn't exactly worked out. But um, but no, I didn't go to art school at all. I just read and studied and drew all day, every day, pretty much. What were some of your first comics? Um, that I read or that I drew that you that you published I published um, the very first one was something called I Want to Be Your Dog for Fantagraphics mm-hmm. Books slash Heroes Comics um, although that wasn't the first one that I drew I had been drawing like short stories for people for a number of years at that point that had never actually been published so the, actual, the first thing that I ever got money for was I was I think I was 18 or 19 I did a Grendel uh, story for Matt Wagner oh that's in the back of uh, Grendel yes. 40 man you're good how does anybody know that how do you even know that for crying out loud it's written by Steve Siegel absolutely yeah Steve Siegel's great man I met that guy in uh, Barcelona about three years ago he's fantastic oh nice I love his work I'm I do too looking forward that's to his writing. he's working on a book another t- book with Teddy Christensen yeah yeah they're yeah, a fantastic duo yeah that uh it's a bird. I don't know that one. It's a story he uh, about his experience 
dealing with doing a Superman comic. Okay. And like how that reflects in his childhood and having Crohn's disease and like all Steve Siegel has Crohn's disease? I think it was Crohn's. I'm trying to remember. Um, was it something else? I can't remember. It's been too long. Um, but it's dealing with like his like first time reading a Superman comic when he was visiting a or he was a kid and family was visiting someone dying in the hospital the same thing he has mm-hmm. and so there's like all this different stuff going in together it's mm-hmm. just like six different art styles within a page like capturing the different things right. and do they do that for Vertigo? yeah that's yeah. good that's their fan of graphics yeah, yeah. to a point <laughs> <laughs> well they did just publish a few bag books so I guess so. yeah 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 good for Pete yeah yeah Pete's a good fan it's amazing. Man. I used to love Hate. Hate was one of my favorite comics in the nineties. He was well, one of the only comics that ever made me laugh out loud. That never happens. And he still does it. Is he still working? See, he's that's the problem. I don't know what's going on in comics yeah. anymore. But that's okay. Yeah. One of the great things I loved about Hate um, is the fact that he read comics. You know, like we're saying, like he read comics. Like people would send him comics, and he was. Oh, I got these comics. Check them out. He'd yeah, he always do recommendations in the back of his book. He'd, yeah. And they never steer you wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, Keith is great, man. Definitely. No. Growing up with comics. You're working on another book, or you have another book coming out pretty soon, too, don't you? Um, well... Soonish? Soonish. It's probably going to be out towards the end of 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, so but not it's, it's not like, it's it's not really new material. It's just, like, uh, stuff I've done over the years. I'm putting under one cover. Oh, okay. And uh, one story that I finished in... Um, that I story that I started in pop life. I finally got because, like I said, I think I, you know, shit canned after like five issues. Yeah. And I was uh, thirty-two, I think, pages into some story that I was working on, not Scream Queen. And I keep feeling this piece of fluff near my eye. Anyway, um, I think I, I see it. Is it like? Is it on my eye or is it my glasses? It's on your other. Uh, it's right in the corner of that it's eye. On this side. Yeah. I see it over here. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Let, let the fluff be what it will. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I finally finished this story that I've been working on and I like, it was like this like sore spot. You know, when you have something that you started and yeah. you don't get to finish it, it feels like an open wound. I finally got to finish this thing. I finished it like a month ago. And that's probably going to be the last comics I ever draw, man. So, uh, my, my career is... It's done. It's over. It's history. And you're feeling done with comics. Uh, not only am I feeling done with comics, but comics have been done with me for like 10 years now. I've just been like trying to like hang on and it hasn't been working. So yeah. if, you keep, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, is that not the definition of an insanity? So... I finally came to my senses and decided it's time to put it to an end. <coughs> so it goes. Say la vie. Eh, a little bit of pain involved. Popping bottles in the ice like a blizzard. When we drink, we do it right. Getting slizzard, sipping scissor in my ride, in my ride. Like three six. Now I'm feeling so fly like a G6. Yeah, yeah, drink it up, drink, drink it up. It's over cause 
started we got a couple things in the, in the can and we're doing another project now so yeah it's um i mean it, in one sense it's sort of a strange decision in that as fierce as the competition is in comic books it's you know tenfold in the movie business yeah so I but have, there's money there. there is money <laughs> well there's money in comics too if you're the right kind of creator yeah and I, i've never been the right kind of creator i've like tried to prostitute myself to the to the people <laughs> cash for my entire career yeah i always said not interested buddy. so so and hence my decision to move on at last but so you know i have no illusions that uh, i'm going to be successful in the movie business unless some fluke happens probably not going to happen but it's like I've had this obsession with the movies as long as I've had the obsession with comics. Yeah. But comics were always so much easier to get into than movies where it was like, all right, I'm just going to do this. But, you know, once you actually start actually doing the thing, like I finally started making flicks a few years ago, and uh, the movie bug hit me pretty badly. So I, I, I think go for this. I find that really interesting um, because looking at work, you can definitely see it in terms of camera angles. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
like as being able to establish those shots, I guess. So it's gonna. I could see it transferring very well. Well, I mean, the stuff we've been doing so far, I think, and you know, I'm biased, needless to say, but I think what we've been doing is pretty good. Um, What's your role in making uh, writer, director, editor, sometimes camera operator? Um, we, I was gonna do more operating, but we hooked up with a, an actual DP uh, who's way better at it than I am. <laughs> so a man's got to know his limitations, as Clint yeah. Eastwood said. So I do like uh, a little bit of camera operating when I know exactly what shot I want. But generally speaking, I hand it off to my to our DP. Now, are people able to watch this anywhere? Or is it all um, sitting soon? Soon, we're gonna be putting some stuff up online pretty soon. But the goal now is to is just to get a reel together for a little venture and uh, start attracting some actual fun so we can make something really good. Yeah. So we're just sort of at the beginning stages of it right now. Yeah. Maybe some art grants? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Always see here I come, and Ontario Arts Grant is going to be our best friend. Yeah. I hope. Um, but yeah, no, that's the thing also. It's like in Canada, it's so difficult to find um, like investors. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's so little private money in Canada for the arts. It's almost by necessity that we have to go to all the arts councils to get our funding. So, is it The whole concept of arts funding is really such a mess and it's such a, in some ways, nepotistic venture. Yeah, for sure. I uh, interviewed this one singer a couple of years ago who, uh, Diamanda Galas. Yeah, I know, I know Diamanda, yeah. And so she does this incredible, you know, performance stuff in New York and she's talking about how, like, there's a couple of people that get all the funding, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. You know, and once they're gone, who knows if that funding will even. Yeah. <laughs> so and they always make uh, claims about how, like, we've we've gone up for funding before. Me personally, and, and me, my my partner, um, my filmmaking partner, and uh, a lot of the times they say, um, uh, you know, we can't give you everything that we want to give you or that you deserve because we want to spread it out over like. X amount of people, but then you hear after after the fact that it's, you know lion's share of it has gone to like three or four favorites of theirs, yeah. and the rest of the people are out in the cold. So unless you're one of the lucky ones who managed to like develop like a name like right from the start, or you're like you're blowing somebody on the inside, or you're <laughs> you know, best friends with somebody on the inside, yeah. you're out of luck, man. But you know what? That's that's the, it's the sort of Darwinian nature of the arts, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's a smooth fest. Absolutely, exactly, exactly. It's all who you know and how well you're willing to kiss ass. Yeah, no, it's uh, in the, it's a mess. I don't really need to say much more than yeah. that. But the way I feel about the arts, though, it's like nobody. I mean, this is the most self-indulgent, self-obsessed form of work you can do, practically outside of like politics, let's say. Yeah. And uh, you know, like if it's about yourself, it's totally about you, man. It's about having your name on the cover of a book or up on a screen. It's about self-aggrandizement, and nobody owes you a fucking living. Jeet here. How you doing, buddy? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, good to, good see, to you. see you. Hey, Jeet. Hey, hey, hey. So we're, uh, you have the books. Good. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, we're joined at the table now by uh, Canadian. Uh, the great, the G. great. G. You can yeah. join us in the conversation. Sorry, man. Your, name is me, man. Your name is out there, buddy. We hey, have... I've got this book. Oh, you do? Okay, that's <laughs> okay. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, though. My dad gave me that book like three, four years ago. Oh, okay. We cool, had some man. technical difficulties earlier and didn't record a half-hour talk of King, so if you have any comments on King, we'll be happy to. Uh, I mean, we, we said some good stuff, too. We had like, a nice little conversation going. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, Let's see. Uh, what can we say about... Uh, King, it's a handsome new book. It's, it's good to see 
uh, back in print and in that form. Um, uh, I think, I mean, the interesting thing about King, I don't know if you guys covered this, is... Um, it's all gone. It's all gone? <laughs> we, we couldn't cover anything. Oh, you didn't cover anything? Okay. <laughs> well, we did. It's just, it's not recorded. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. You didn't, okay, you didn't cover anything then. <laughs> Somebody forgot to turn on the recorder. I thought it was recording. It's recording now. Um... Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you can be honest. No, no, no. I, I think. Uh, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting is just the amount of time it took you, which is good. A lot of graphic novels. I mean, Seth's been looking at Clyde for like over a decade now. Are you done with that thing? Uh, no, no, he still has like uh, one more part to do. And um, the Charles Burns did Black Hole for like. Well, you know, well over a decade. So yeah. it's kind of, I mean, it's an interesting, maybe technical question. But like, what's it like to work on a project for so long? Especially in your case, where you went through like so many stylistic changes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think in the probably was it like was it Charles Burns like actually getting paid to work on this comic, or was is that why it took so long for the? Well, Charles Burns takes so long because it's Charles Burns. Yeah, yeah, his his his, but he, he, it was serialized. It, it was serialized. I don't think he made a. I mean, he probably made a little bit of money from that, but yeah. I don't think those kitchen sink books. And yeah, that's right. I think oh, his, his main money comes from other things, like from uh, illustration, illustration, yeah, album yeah, covers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think, uh, uh, and yeah, that's partially why it took him so long. That it wasn't his full time. I guess that's the that's the story with all comic books, yeah. man. Yeah. Because it takes so goddamn long. So nobody's willing to pay you a cent to do the work. Yeah. yeah. It's a labor of love. It has well, to be. <laughs> it's changing. Yeah. It's changing. Yeah. No, no, that's true. Yeah. Is it really? Unless you're drawing costume heroes, is it really changing? Well, yeah, you've got folks now, like, uh, for a second, who are just plowing out the money to a lot of really young kids. For a second. I'm for a second. They're out of New for York. For a second. Yeah. Yeah, so you recommended them to Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so they're doing a lot of, I don't know how big their upfronts are, but they're pretty substantial for my understanding. Yeah, yeah. And you hear, like, you know... Crazy stories about like fairly young cartoonists that get like you know six figure advances for like a three book deal or whatever. That'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> we're still waiting for Habibi, Craig Thompson. <laughs> that's right, that's right, yeah. So I think uh, no, I mean, no, that's it's changing really more like the regular book industry, which is all to the good. Um, uh, so, so so I mean, yeah, I don't know what else is there to say about it. I mean, I think it's it's sort of sustainable a, is the question. Yeah, not likely. Yeah. It's my it's my yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think we I think we covered King. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I book. Mean, it's about a guy named Martin Luther King. You might have heard of him, maybe not. One yeah. of the things I found really interesting in the book, um, given his name, uh, is the whole part where he did the stapling something or nailing something to a church door, and yeah. I was like, oh, look at that, a little purposeful. Yeah. Uh, purposeful. Well, Martin Luther, or yeah, Martin Luther reenacting his name yeah. yeah, the ninety-nine theses yeah. on the church door, which started the yeah, yeah. Reformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a direct reference to that on his on King's part. Yeah. Um, did you talk about all about Howard Chicken? We were we just, just discussing did, yeah. <laughs> about, about the uh, the charismaticness of uh, Mr. Chicken. There's no way to like talk to me without like talking about Chicken. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, the last time I read King, that was what really struck with me, like how much. Of, uh, and it's actually even more than King. I want to be your dog. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's like a lot of Chicken in there. That was when uh, I was at my peak with Chicken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which is sort of, I mean, no, it's a very uh, uh, interesting. I mean, actually, Robin, you should interview Chicken. Like, I think I've, I've been in talks. 
we've, yeah. we've been emailing back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah, we had a date set up, but life got complicated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's had a great, uh, very interesting life. And like Gil King, he's one of these guys that can really talk about art and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really. Fascinating guy. Yeah. He's uh, a true I guarantee. Yeah, although, try to get a word in edgewise, yeah, good luck. <laughs> you know, basically ask a question and then be, be prepared to sit back for the next, like, hour, half an hour. Yeah. yeah. Get, you know, before he lets you talk again. That's what I like to hear. That's what I look for in it. And his stories are interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, here's a guy that uh, grew up, you know, down the street from Gil Kane mm-hmm. and come together later and right within the heart of the New York scene. and Definitely. Yeah, knew everyone at the right time, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's intersected with all the greats. Yeah, yeah. been incredibly influential. Hence my presence at this table. <laughs> <laughs> the the legacy continues. It does, somewhat diminished, but continue just as just the same. <laughs> um, I think I'll stop us here. Thank you for uh, joining me today. No problem. And thank Have you for fun. joining us, Steve, for a couple <laughs> seconds there. <laughs> Fans, the easy
Okay. 